0: I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. With the drag-and-drop theme editor, we don't need to hire a developer to do any coding. Each theme is automatically optimized on mobile. It's incredible. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Go to shopify.com listen to take your business to the next level today.
1: I was uneducated, I didn't know what I was doing and look, I've had a few fantastic wins through ignorance and I've had a couple of big losses through ignorance but I was able to purchase a property. This is
0: Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shump and in this episode, we're speaking with successful Western Australia buyers agent, David Hall. To find out more about the sudden way he fell into property, the collaborations he's been part of, what he foresees in certain property markets and the tips and tricks he's learnt along the way. Working as a buyers agent with Momentum Wealth, and having been in the property field for nearly 30 years, much of horse daily life revolves around property.
1: My day's broken up into a few parts. So the first thing is every morning, generally before I get out of bed, um, I'm on realestate.com and I'm looking to see what's being listed. The next part of my day is talking to clients, solving their problems. Um, I would get 15 calls a day from clients who uh, have issues, have problems, have questions answering those and then the bulk of the rest of the day is either getting new clients or negotiating properties and looking at properties for clients.
0: Never really staying in any one place for a long time due to his father's profession, Hall shares that his childhood certainly influenced who he is today.
1: My father was military in New Zealand so every two to three years we would pack up and we would move somewhere within the country and sometimes overseas. So, The advantage of that was I really developed social skills and I think, as you know, we share a very similar, the same coach, it really helped me get over the fear of talking to people and getting over the fear of change which a lot of people struggle with. So yeah, that's what I did and you know, I've lived pretty much all of New Zealand.
0: Moving around New Zealand, Hall spent his education in a number of suburbs the weather conditions and the housing conditions in one suburb in particular, causing him to buy his first home.
1: Various schools as every two, three years you're moving around. So mainly Hawke's Bay, Palmerston North and a few other spots as well. But I think the defining moment that really got me into property was um, I was living in a town called Palmerston North, which is famous for just epic amounts of rain. Um, and I had a girlfriend who was studying at the university there and um. We had an issue where our um, flatmate walked out on the deck. The deck was rotten. She broke her ankle when she fell through it, went to the landlord and said, hey, Mr. Landlord, can you fix the deck? And his response was something starting with F and ending with F. In um, that time in New Zealand, the, law, the laws were very, very pro-landlord. They're not now. Um And that basically motivated us to go, well, we're not doing this. Why should we take this? And we purchased our first house.
0: Following his university life, Hall ended up working in the banking sector, an area which he admits definitely opened up his eyes to the business and finance world.
1: I ended up working for a bank, um, which was very much an eye-opener in terms of wealth people and how big businesses operate Um, and I think one of the things I got out of that was banks don't actually necessarily operate off logic. They operate off rules and procedures rather than logic and I'm seeing this now as a professional property buyer and investor myself, how banks are currently operating isn't necessarily following logic.
0: While Hall continued to work in the banking industry for a number of years, he eventually moved on to another unrelated but interesting field.
1: I stayed in the banking industry for about four or five years. Um, Didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I grew up in a town, so when I left um, university, youth unemployment was 23%. So you took a job because it was a job, not because you liked the job. So what I ended up doing um, was actually getting into the engineering field. Um, I love making things. I love building things. Um, And I ended up leaving that job and getting into engineering. And that was basically brought about. I decided I've had enough of New Zealand. My girlfriend moved over to Perth. And um, as a love drunk man, I moved over to move in with her. And it was just, and I really got to thank Australia. Um, I basically left New Zealand on a Thursday, job interview Friday, started Monday on double the pay.
0: It was while working in the engineering space that he gained tertiary qualifications through TAFE and became a project manager.
1: I started off on the tools. Um, I had an instance one day where I was looking at a drawing that I was fabricating for something I was fabricating. went to the boss and said, I'm missing this critical dimension. And he typed it up on AutoCAD and he said, "Um, it's whatever it was. I asked him, how did you learn to do that. He said, oh, you go to TAFE, um, it's $99 a paper, and you, know, you can claim the mileage um, for going from work to and from TAFE. So I went and I graduated um, at night school as um, a draftsman. Did very well at doing that, and um, one of the projects I was on was designing something called a lime slaking plant. Very uninteresting. Um, But the site manager on that project ended up having a mental breakdown because of the stress that was involved. My boss said to me, well, you're the only other person that knows it. Congratulations on the promotion. You're in the grab the ute. You're driving to site tomorrow. And I turned a project that was losing a considerable amount of money into a highly profitable venture. He said, congratulations, you're never drafting again. Welcome to project management and site construction.
0: Moving between companies but remaining within the engineering industry, Hall shares the demanding aspects of his job that led to his resignation and furthermore the sudden job loss he had to face later on.
1: I moved between companies chasing money, opportunity, um, career advancement. Um, The the company that I really did well in was a small mining equipment manufacturer but I was always travelling. Um, And I said to the boss one day, um, look, trying to have children, I've literally been home for the magic month, magic week once in six months. Can we, um, you know, can you find another position for me where I'm in the office far more often? And he said, yep, yep, yep. He said, but you've got these three months of commitments, do those three months and um, we'll rework it. So basically did those three months, stepped off a plane from Indonesia, put the bag on the ground, and he said, mate, can you pick it up? You're off to Japan tomorrow morning. And I resigned on the spot. Yeah. Um, so um, basically, from there, just changed engineering companies, stepped up and roll. But uh, as an engineering, as you step up and rolls in roles and salaries, um, Perth is a very cyclical town based on mining. So we've seen a property depression because mining and oil and gas have been depressed. And when you're earning good money, your head's first for the chop. So um, I was, my company went from 1,200 people to approximately 60 people in three months and I was one of the unlucky mass. The company used to be across two floors and then they were across a quarter of a floor after all the changes.
0: With a sudden drop in mining-related positions across multiple companies, not just horse, he explained how a change in the industry could occur so quickly.
1: It was basically all hands-off um And, you know, we built all the mines, we got all the supply going. And then at the same time, the Rio Tintos and BHPs went through um, an exercise where they shed a lot of staff as well. It, it was really interesting. So my company, we used to employ five full-time estimators. So to estimate a mining project, it's a six-month exercise. It, it's not a short term. And it was actually really noticeable because two years before the wind down, we went from five estimators to one and a half. So it was really obvious that there was no work coming up and I think it was just a combination of the cost, demand, meeting, supply, and just that ongoing cycle of the commodity price up and down.
0: While this certainly was a hindrance to Hall's career in the mining field, Hall shares that it was actually the collapse of the mining boom that propelled Hall into property.
1: That's why I got into property. So when I saw that coming, um, I actually started buying property. So I was uneducated. I didn't know what I was doing. And look, I've had a few fantastic wins through ignorance and I've had a couple of big losses through ignorance. But I was able to purchase a property um, in a very nice suburb, um, looked at it and thought, told the agent he was overpriced um, when he wanted 600000 for it. He basically said, well, no, nah, owner's not keen. Three months later, it started dropping $20,000 a week in price. Wow. I picked it up. I think it was 462000 Found out – there's completely ignorance on my part. Um, the found out once I had it under contract. It was obvious that the tenant was sabotaging the sale. So at every open home, the tenant was leaving a really interesting sex toy on the kitchen bench. He had – a vicious dog in the backyard. So you couldn't walk around the back dog because the thing would just saw your legs off and the lawns were, I'm, I'm nearly six foot and the lawns were taller than me. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so I found out once I had it under contract that the seller had terminal cancer um, and that he'd put his son into the house to rent it rent free. Um, and what was happening was the son didn't want to move out and have to pay rent. So the son was sabotaging his father's final days uh, in order to not pay rent. Um, and look, that property I purchased it, purchased it. I was made redundant, um, and that was always part of the plan. Was so I sold that property for four hundred. I uh, sorry for six hundred and eighty-two thousand. Um, I spent twenty thousand dollars renovating it from when I purchased it because there was some damage to the home um and that left me 200,000 sitting in the bank. Thinking back
0: to the first property purchase he made when he was 19, Hall explains how he got the funds to buy that first home.
1: Had a little bit of savings, went to any friend, family that we could think of to scrape together a deposit. I was working for a bank at that stage, so I got a very good interest rate and didn't need a, I needed a 10% deposit. And then we went hunting. Um, I, we were able, typical real estate, so this is in the days when houses were in the newspaper, real estate agents showed us fo- four dud houses, and then this one last. <laughs> um, very naive, no idea of what we were doing, but basically got it, it was what's called a railway worker's cottage. So the whole thing was designed, the house is a long skinny house designed to fit on a railway wagon. So it was built by the New Zealand Railways Corporation or whatever it was called back in 1920. Um, dropped literally dropped on site for their you know as a worker's cottage. Very run down, very tired, and I started renovating it. Interestingly, 2 days after settlement, the um, previous owner turned up, poured a concrete slab and dropped a garage on it for us. We did it wasn't even in the contract. He said um yeah, mate, just this was left over. He was a developer, thought you'd want it. <laughs> what a great thing. <laughs> Fantastic upside, double garage, beautiful asbestos, um, timber framed. But I've got to say, you know, that was just such an ad value for free for us. So, yeah, basically I, I paid 62000 for that. and I think I sold it for $87,000 18 months later with the renovation.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into David Horst's property investing journey to find out more about what happened to that first property.
1: Basically, I I paid $62,000 for that and I think I sold it for $87,000 18 months later with the renovation.
0: The moment that prompted him to further educate himself in property.
1: I was buying houses, losing money on some, making money on others and I didn't understand what I was doing. I really, really didn't, so I started doing what a lot of people do, reading, listening to podcasts, getting magazines, going to events um, and learning. Um, and then basically, I approached Damien.
0: The interesting method he's been using when it comes to investing.
1: That introduced me to joint ventures. Um, we paid, I think, 500000 for it, a bit less, four eighty. Um, we worked day and night for two weeks, renovating it, um, new paint, new carpets, new floors, new kitchen, kept the bathroom. Um, and we had it appraised afterwards at 680.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. With this first purchase pushed to the back of his mind, Hall explains that it was the property purchase he made during the mining boom collapse that really triggered his interest in property investing.
1: Oh, That wasn't my first but that was the one that sort of set me up so I saw the, retire- I saw the change coming and I put the money into the bank. Um, I spent three months at home not working and my wife said, please go get a job you're doing my head in. Um, And I basically went to work for Damien at Momentum Wealth. I was buying houses, losing money on some, making money on others, and I didn't understand what I was doing. I really, really didn't. So I started doing what a lot of people do, reading, listening to podcasts, getting magazines, going to events, um, and learning. Um, And then basically I approached Damien. He put me in training for nine months Um, And over that time, I learned a phenomenal amount more.
0: Adding to this, Hoare also explains why else he became more active in buying property and doing property deals.
1: I had a very messy divorce, as some people do. Um, And my first wife was very anti-property. So the first home that we purchased, she didn't want me to buy it. But I'd been working on site. I'd made a lot of money. It was just before GST was coming in. Um, so I ended up purchasing it against her wishes, but I, I could just see the value in it. Um, purchased it. I think we paid 127,000 for it, which was a lot of money. Um, when was that? Um, Mid nine? No, 2000. Um, and we ended up selling it for 460,000 six years later when we separated. Um, I wonder what she thought on that after you separated. (laughs) She actually said to me, why didn't you buy a more expensive house?
0: Following this separation, Hall met a lady who shared his love for property. This meeting leading him to expanding and building his portfolio.
1: I met another lady, and she was very pro-property. She'd been in a situation where she'd always wanted to buy investment properties, but couldn't because her husband had terminal cancer, and uh, his health. I mean, he took twenty years to die of a horrible, horrible. Oh oh no, that's sad. And just the instability around his income, they just they could never do it. So, I purchased what I lovingly refer refer to as my turd. (laughs) No idea. I bought the property because it looked nice. And the house literally next door was on the market at the same time for the same price. And this was a much, much nicer home. So I paid $380,000 for it. Ten years later, it's worth $340,000. Yeah, didn't know what I was doing. And then I purchased that one in Edgewater that we discussed and did really well out of that. And then I did a joint venture with a friend where I found um, literally down the road from my own home. Um, a house that was abandoned, um, was owned by a doctor, um, and we took 34 loads of trees to the dump. It was just completely overgrown. So he'd had a works order on him from the council to clean up the site. Being a surgeon, uh, he didn't really want to do that, um, and he ended up selling it. And it was interesting. As we were clearing the trees away, we found a shed we didn't even know was on the property.
0: It was through this collaborative process that Hall was introduced to Joint Ventures, a business arrangement he could continue to use well into the future.
1: That's how I've grown. So, that introduced me to Joint Ventures. Um, we paid, I think, 500000 for it, a bit less, four eighty. dollars um, We worked day and night for two weeks renovating it. Um, new paint, new carpets, new floors, new kitchen, kept the bathroom, and, um, and we had it appraised afterwards at 680 Wow. That's... And we spent about $20,000 on that renovation. Gosh. That was um, a very good deal there. <laughs> yeah. It was a great deal. Tenanted first week and it's always been able to tenant. And the advantage of that property is um, it's got a very high zoning for apartments and um, I found out through Momentum Wealth that there's a policy in place for that particular house to go to 10 storeys. It's 10 years away. Um, my joint venture partner owns the house next door and I've got my eyes on the house next door to him because I would like to buy that if, I can, if it ever if comes on the market so that once we've got the three sites, we can go yeah, 10 storeys.
0: While well, there's certainly a project to look forward to, Paul shares that there definitely were some trying moments in his investing career.
1: I did a joint venture with a personal friend um, and we purchased a site that was about to be rezoned from a single dwelling to a quadplex. So the town planning scheme was in. Um, it was a very ordinary home, um, smelt, pretty un, un-nice, a retiree who was going into care. Market value was 440000 I was able to secure it for 405000 And at that stage, the rent on the property was $420 a week. Fantastic deal. Neutral hold. Got the upside. And what happened was the Perth market started falling. So that property is today rented for $280 a week. And the council changed the town planning scheme at the final community consultation. Um. We we thought that when we purchased it, we had an upside look. So we did an analysis: what's the worst we can do? So under the t- zoning at the time, we could keep the existing house, subdivide off the back block, sell that back block for two hundred and fifty thousand. So that was our worst case analysis. So we did a risk analysis and thought, okay, so if the town zoning doesn't come in, we can keep the house and we can put sell the block at the back. And what ended up happening is the decline happened. And look, that whilst you will hear that the Perth market's fallen 12%, that's an average. So this suburb um, has fallen 25% in value.
0: With such a drastic outcome received from the property purchase, Hor shares what his plans are for the future regarding this particular property.
1: Today, it's not worth selling the block. Um, That house is hemorrhaging money. And whilst we definitely have a plan to turn that cash flow positive, we can't because of the serviceability rules. So what we're looking at doing with that side is we're going to construct a five bedroom three we're going to subdivide it into two. On one side, we're going to construct a five bedroom, sorry, a five bed three bath home and rent that by the room. And we believe today that that will return just under $1,000 a week in rent. And on the other side, we're going through the process and the understanding of constructing what's called a NIDS home. So it's a specialist housing for disabled people. Um, We're going through that process at the moment, still don't have enough understanding, but we're hamstrung by capital. That's one. We thought we went in, under market buy, had a plan B if the market fell, the zoning didn't work, but we were caught by a heavily falling suburb.
0: Not wanting to make the same purchasing mistakes again, Hall shares the indicators he now looks out for in regards to a falling market.
1: There's a really good indicator. Um, a rental market precedes a housing market. There's a typically a six month lag. So what we saw in Perth going back to 2014, was the rental market started to soften. Suddenly, there was more stock available and there were less people taking it. So you were having to discount rental properties to get tenants. You went from being in a situation where you could pick and choose quality tenants to taking a tenant, you don't really want them. Um, and what we've now seen in Perth is a, a rapid change. So. Um, the, market, the rental market in Perth turned in November um, 2018. And it went from oversupply, oversupply, oversupply to, oh, undersupply, oh, really undersupply. And now at the end of January, um, our rental market has turned with a vengeance. So uh, th- there's signs that you're looking at. So we're still seeing a sales market where there's more stock coming on than there is buyers, and that's credit. But on the converse, we're seeing um, a rapidly turning rental market. My personal belief is that our rental market, our median price, will jump from $350 to um, 450 a week by the end of this year, which is 2019. That's and that's a big jump because we've seen a lot of landlords permanently leave the market because of the falling house price and pain. And because of what banks are doing to investors, we, if you've got more than two properties – they're really making your life uncomfortable. So I'm getting out there and I'm still seeing investors being forced to sell up in the market, which is putting pressure on rentals, which will put pressure on prices, which is going to do two things. An increasing yield is going to bring investors into the market. At the same time, those tenants that can afford to buy will start doing a mess and going, it's cheaper to own than to buy, I'm going to move. It's a cycle. It's the typical cycle shortage of rental properties leads to increasing prices. And and that's what's happening.
0: Opposing this worst investing moment, Hall thinks to a time where purchasing property just made sense and opened up doors to a multitude of opportunities.
1: I'll give you an example of one. So my portfolio, I've got, if you were to use the most optimistic count, I've got 20 front doors. I was chasing a cash flow deal for inside my self-managed super fund, um, just because cash flow enables me to buy more properties. So, did a bit of market analysis, and everyone's going to think I'm a bit insane, but I decided that Cooper P D represented a great opportunity to buy property that would cash flow. Um, jumped on a plane, went to town, and while I was there, I met another investor who was also sniffing around. Um, there was only one clear by in town, which was a duplex pair, or you guys I think call them masonettes. Um, one of the units was tenanted, and the dugout, because you live underground in caves in Cooper um, had had a fire in it and was burnt out. So needed new kitchen, new bathroom, new flooring, new paint, new wiring, new everything. Wow! That's
0: pretty much almost a knockdown.
1: Uh, well, it's a cave. You yeah, can't you knock can't. down a cave. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but it, was, it was definitely a start again. And I basically sat down because we ended up – the same agent said, look, I've got this other bloke. We ended up sitting in the same car with the agents as they were driving us around. And I sat down with them over dinner because oddly we were actually staying in the same accommodation. And I said, look, there's only one buy here. If you and I go for it, we're going to drive up price. We don't want to do that. Let's do it together. Let's drive down price. So it was on the market for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and we picked it up for sixty thousand dollars. Wow! Great negotiation. Great negotiation. There was shortage of buyers, and we had cash. And Cooper Pedy is a town where banks don't want to lend, so you need cash. And that just sort of that lack of credit creates opportunity through a lack of buying. You know, there's just a lack of transactions there.
0: Why is that particular town something that the banks don't like?
1: Um, High unemployment, there's a drug problem um, and people tend to be highly transitional. So I understand as of today, only Westpac and one other bank will lend there and they're generally wanting 40% deposits.
0: Wow, okay. I understand that.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, So basically we purchased it for $60,000 and we spent $60,000 doing a renovation on it. we had the real estate agent come through, and she appraised it afterwards at two hundred and forty thousand. We put it on traditional rental, um, and because there's only one property manager in town, she's got two hundred and forty properties. She can't do a job, so we got despondent with that. We fired the agent, and we ended up putting them on Airbnb. Um, so Gavin runs that, that's his forte, he, so you, you go to the skills, so Gavin hates paperwork. I've got to admit I don't like it either but I'm better at it than Gavin but Gavin's really good at running them. So he basically manages the cleaning, the bookings, all of that um, and nine months of the year, um, that thing throws off $3,000 a month to each of us.
0: Hall adds that it was during this renovation period that Gavin and himself were actually able to lend another property deal.
1: After that, um, because it was a, the property's in a super fund, you're not allowed to reside in the property. So whilst we were there doing the renovation, we were living um, in a youth hostel next door. Um, it was just a simple walk across the road. And while we were there, we met um, a bloke whose father was a local, let's call him identity, colourful identity, um, who had the only... Um, hotel site in town, the only one that was left to be developed. 10,000 square metres, top of the hill in Coober Pedy. Um And his father had died, and there was 10,000 square metres of scrap steel everywhere. Um, his father had passed away, but his mother, who was in his 70s, was on title and on the mortgage. So she'd actually divorced him but never changed the mortgage over to her husband's name only. Um, The house was a disaster. The council would put a works order on the property to clean up the scrap steel because it was a genuine eyesore. So I tried to get – together we tried to get our first vendor finance deal, and it was more of an assumptive finance deal. So we engaged a professional to negotiate with the banks whereby we would assume the debt on the property We would save her bankruptcy, being a pensioner. You could just imagine what was going through her mind. So we negotiated with the bank for four months to assume – and it was only a small debt. It was only $120,000 to assume the debt. Um, And the banks at the end of that said, no, we won't assume the debt, but you can buy it for (laughs) (laughs) $60,000. And once again, so banks respond to a rule book. They don't necessarily respond to logic. And we were just sitting there scratching our heads going, this is a no-brainer. Hey, well, it's a no-brainer, but wouldn't you just assume the debt and take the risk? You've still got security over the property. But no, they, they wouldn't let us. So sadly, they actually bankrupted her, which was not our goal. Um, and we ended up picking the property for
0: $60,000. Despite their helpful intentions, both Hall and his partner ended up adding the property to their portfolio completely transforming the once I saw to an interesting source of income.
1: Gavin has done the bulk of the work of this. I'm just a small funder. Um, so Gavin spent the best part of two months on site. He was able through a local contract to arrange the removal of all the steel and he converted that from a derelict home to a five-bed, five-bath home. So he's now got that on Airbnb and he runs that as part of also doing the duplex pair. And that provides about half of Gavin's income. Gavin gets all the money from that because he's done the bulk of the work. I'm only a small contributor to that. But the long-term plan is we're going to um, convert that to a caravan park because in the peak tourist season, there's an accommodation crisis. There is not enough accommodation in town. But at this stage, we're just lacking capital to fund and to execute that deal.
0: So, inspired by David Hall's journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll discuss his strategy.
1: So, when I'm buying today and this will change as competition comes into the market, I'm actually looking to layer strategies into a purchase. I'm not just trying to buy one thing, I'm trying to buy multiple things in a deal.
0: The personal habits which have been contributing to his success.
1: For me, it's the habit of mentoring and staying in touch with people who are, you know, I I, I like being the dumbest person in the room. All this and more
0: next time in a future episode of Property Invest Story.